stun me from my slumber. I am the eternal dragon. Now make your first wish. Your wish has been granted. Here is your host, Tim Bridgewater. Happy Halloween. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of Rock the Dragon, a Dragon Ball Super podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater. Quick shout out to my man, Shinron, taking some time out of his busy, busy uh, slumber. Well, all he does is sleep. Yeah, I'm talking to you. All you do is sleep. But I appreciate you waking up just in time to grant everyone's wish for a brand new episode of Rock the Dragon podcast. God damn it. This is exciting, guys. It is Halloween month. And yes, that was the Tales from the Crypt theme song playing under Shinron. So, yes, <laughs> you heard that right. Uh, this is exciting. I'm a, I love Halloween. I know a lot of you guys do. So I'm going to try to do something fun um, starting with that. And if I get any more ideas, then maybe I'll do it or maybe I won't. I don't know yet. But I will say this is that this was one hell of an episode of Dragon Ball Super. That's the first thing I want to say. So, as always, want to get into that in a minute uh for for those of you who don't know i hosted two other podcasts one called geekly dose we talked about everything geek uh and also a, po- a podcast called republic city report which is a legend of core podcast uh recently on the facebook page facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast i actually shared a link uh i just happened to be browsing on facebook and i saw that nick.com actually put up the entire series of the legend of Korra on nick.com Okay, so remember, I talked plenty of times about this podcast that I used to do. Um, Republic City Report is still up on iTunes as well as Stitcher.com. So if you have ever been curious about The Legend of Korra, you've never watched it, you can go see the entire series right now on Nick.com for free. The entire series. And I promise you, it is worth it. (laughs) Okay, I promise you it is worth it. And if you feel like it, hey, you can listen to Republic City Report, my podcast. My podcast doesn't start until book two of Legend of Korra, but you can watch book one and then start book two and then start the podcast and you can get your, you know, just dive even further into the world a little bit more after every episode because it's all still there. So that's another opportunity for your early Christmas gift (laughs) there for you. Uh, Also, once again, if you would like to leave me a review on iTunes, you can head over there and do that. With that being said, I do have an iTunes review that I want to read real quick. So a very quick shout out to Awaited Nightmare uh, says here, just saying five star review. It reads, Tim brings his DBZ knowledge to use in this unique and fun podcast. His laid back demeanor lends to easy listening as he discusses each week's new Dragon Ball Super episode. Not only is Tim thorough in his analysis, he's also very open to fan involvement, giving this pod a nice personal touch. Though Tim is clearly a super DBZ fan, he isn't afraid to critique episodes that are less than stellar. Highly recommend this pod to DBZ fans everywhere. Awaited Nightmare. Wow. Thank you so much. Great name, by the way. It fits perfectly for the month of October. (laughs) So thank you for the five star review. I very much appreciate that. And yeah, I agree with everything you said there. I try to be at least. So I'm so glad you guys enjoying the show. Uh, I've been getting a steady stream of reviews lately, lately and I appreciate it so much. So if you appreciate the show and you're enjoying it, by all means, head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I appreciate that. Please do not forget to like the Facebook page. Uh, I'm going to give you another really good reason in a moment to like the page. But let's not forget about the biggest reason so far. 
and that is once we reach 100 likes uh, I will do a giveaway okay it will be a, a awesome giveaway but it is a giveaway that you will only qualify for if you have liked the page now that will be for the first step of the giveaway I'll give away the next I will give away I'll tell you the next step once we get to 100 likes but just Remember, your chances of this to be to winning this will be really good unless by some chance I get 10,000 <laughs> Facebook likes between, you know, now and whenever. Uh, I think right now I'm at about 86, maybe last time I checked. Uh, so that's only 14, guys. We're getting a few more every week. So go ahead and tell your friends and your family who else. Whoever else, go ahead and like the page. Let's go ahead and knock that out, get to 100 so we could do this giveaway in time for Christmas. <laughs> because at this rate, I don't know, it might take that long to get 100 likes. Uh, but no, I appreciate that. So make sure you head over there and like the page once again. I'll give you another good, really good reason to go check it out if you hadn't in a minute. I want to remind you right now that we have a segment called What Are You Saying? This is a uh, email segment. We, it gives you guys an opportunity to reach out to me, send me questions, comments, concerns, etc. You can see me in email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also see my message on facebook.com slash rockthedragonpodcast. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into what are you saying for this week? The first email I have here is from Ricky. Ricky, thank you so much for emailing me again. Uh, Ricky did email me recently things got a little bit heated quote unquote not really it wasn't bad but ricky has a follow-up email here and i just want to read it okay so ricky what i'm going to do here is um since you took the liberty of kind of breaking your email up for me i'll just take it section by section okay i'll, I'll read the first part address it second part address it etc okay ricky writes Hey, Tim, listening to pod 35 now, and I wanted to apologize for blowing up on for blowing up on you for episode 33. I was a little road rage oriented that morning, and that didn't help. So sorry. I already wrote what I'm about to say before episode 35 released and apparently never sent it. I want to give myself a little defense as to why I was wise to that poisoning when it happened in episode 33. When Frost strikes Goku's hand, three things happen. A little splash of pink flies out of Goku's hand. In retrospect, I believe that was either supposed to be blood or maybe even the poison. We then get a medium close-up of Goku's face and he is wincing, which is not really something Super Saiyan Goku does for a hand hit. Suspicious. Finally, we get a close-up of Jaco's face and him having a dramatic reaction to the hit. This is after we have already established that Jaco's eyes are special. This is why I figured it had been poison. I'm aware that it's not common for people to see these things when we watch anime, but I am an animator, so I am cursed with noticing minute details. Again, sorry. Also, no, I don't watch the subbed episodes, only the dubbed. I can't handle the Japanese voiceovers. Hey, Ricky, let's uh, let's address your first uh, paragraph. And I'm going to start by saying this, man. Uh, no problem, dude. I'm not. I was not remotely offended by your email. <laughs> OK, I just want to say that now. Not not even close. Um, I trust me. I've said this a million times. I know that not everyone is going to agree with everything that I say on the podcast. I mean, that's just the way that's just how it is. At the end of the day, though, I hope that you guys still enjoy listening to it enough to where you can kind of appreciate 
uh, someone else's opinion on something, even if you don't agree with it. I mean, that's what makes conversation great, right? And that's what makes us fans of the show is that we can admit when we like something and when we don't like something and we can talk to other fans about it. And I'm just a fan like everyone else. I mean, I'm just sitting here as a geek with everyone else watching this show. And I come over here and I talk to you guys about it so we can have a conversation. And with that being said, people don't always agree on things. But trust me when I say no problem, apology, accept it. <laughs> Everything is fine. And I honestly, you don't even really have to explain yourself because I mean, I, you know, you just, you, you saw it differently than I saw it. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I just didn't see it that way. I mean, I, I get, I understand everything you're saying. I, I noticed all those things too. It just didn't, it didn't click in the same way, um, for me as it did for you. It clicked in a different way. And like, as I said before, it's just so many different possibilities of what it could have been in my mind. So I, I didn't even, I didn't even really think about poison. And I talked a lot more about this in previous episodes. So if you're someone new who's coming along, you can go back and listen to those to get more details on that. But I, I, I get it, Ricky. I mean, that's totally cool. That's your perspective on that. And I, I respect that 200%. Okay, so next paragraph. Finally, on episode 34, I felt that the writers did Piccolo dirty. If we go back, Piccolo became stronger than a Super Saiyan when he fused with Kami. He proves this when he takes on Imperfect Cell and then again when he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Android 17. He then becomes even stronger before the Cell games by training in the hyperbolic time chamber before the Cell games. I think Goku makes the comment that Piccolo doubled his strength. Then we go further to the World Tournament at the beginning of the Majin Vegeta saga. We see Piccolo. Did I just... Piccolo? Shit, I'm tripping. <laughs> we see Piccolo... On the lookout, meditating, becoming even stronger. He is also one of the few characters who keeps up with his training. I feel he should have been able to easily go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Frost, yet Goku tells him essentially he has no chance. What did you think? Well, Ricky, we're giving some some good points there. Um, and I'm not going to fact check all of this stuff you just said, <laughs> because it all sounds right to me. I'm sure someone else will. But if all of that is true, then you're right. I mean, there have been plenty of uh, instances in, in the later half of Dragon Ball Z that showed that Piccolo's power was upgraded a lot. And I mean, and this is after he fused with Nail. This is after he fused with Kami. Because you're right, he went took on he took on Imperfect Cell until Imperfect Cell absorbed 17. He also fought 17, etc. And uh, theoretically, I guess, or stands to reason, of course, that Cell was stronger than Frieza, right? And we're, I think the thing is, though, is that we're kind of assuming here that Frost is as strong as Frieza was uh, at 50% of his maximum, I guess, right? Because remember in uh, the Frieza saga, he turned to his final form, okay? But that was only 50% of his maximum. And then he went all the way up to 100%, and that's when he buffed up, okay? Unless I'm mistaken, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how that happened. So, uh, with that logic, he should, Piccolo should have been stronger than him, certainly. But we're also making an assumption that Frost was, that that's, that Frost's strength it was is the same as Frieza's was at 50%. It, it makes sense that it would be, given that form that he was in, right? But 
just I don't know, just like we can have Super Saiyans that are stronger than one another. For example, both Goku and Vegeta were Super Saiyan level one at one point, but Goku was still stronger than Vegeta. You know, just because you both share the same form doesn't necessarily mean that you're as strong as one another. So with that being said, Frost could still, I guess they're still implying that Frost was still way stronger than Frieza was at, you know, 100%. So it's very hard to sort of compare that. Um, and not only that, he's not Frieza, right? I mean, he has this, once again, it's still not, it's still not clear whether or not that little poison needle was a part of his body or not. I feel like they still didn't make that clear, but let's assume that it, it is a part of his body. Well, that's a, that's a difference in itself, right? Because Frieza didn't have that. So who knows? I mean, this is a different character, so he doesn't necessarily have to be just as strong as Frieza was because I'm, I'm assuming that that's the main comparison that you're making because that's the only comparison we can make really so because we don't know how strong frost is exactly all we can do is base it off how strong frieza has been in the past um so we we really don't know so i i don't know um i do feel like they kind of give piccolo the shaft a little bit you know he he becomes the strongest character every now and then and then but it doesn't last long right someone transforms and all of a sudden he's back to being weak again so I don't know. It's just kind of one of those, you know, sort of rough areas, because once again, we don't know exactly how strong Frost is. Uh, this could also be a result of just one of the many inconsistencies in the Dragon Ball universe. The many plot holes, you know, it gets really hard to keep track of people's power levels after a while. I mean, back when they were using scouters, it was a lot easier. But then, hell, once they got too strong for that, all you can do is kind of base it on one transformation after another. So. Honestly, it could go either way, but obviously for they're just implying that Frost was way stronger than Piccolo. But with that being said, Piccolo still could have beat him had he not used that poison. So what does that tell you? You know, maybe he wasn't as strong as he thought. Okay, in your final paragraph writes, uh, reads episode 35. I liked getting to see Vegeta embarrass Frost and to get a sneak peek at the abilities of Hit. But when we got to the match with the robot, I wasn't a fan of just seeing Vegeta run away a majority of the time, especially when it started flying in circles. I think this fight is slowing the momentum of the tournament. What are your thoughts? I'm looking forward to episode 36. Sorry for the long email. I had a lot to cover. Happy Halloween month. Okay, so to address your final paragraph here, um, you know, I thought that I thought that episode was okay. I mean, it's it's, it's never it's never fun to watch somebody just fly away and just shoot blasts the entire time. But I feel like it did a pretty good job of explaining why that was necessary in that situation. And one thing I have been appreciating about this tournament so far is that they're finding creative ways to make these fights happen outside of just punching each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not a straight up fight. Uh, they're having to find creative ways to defeat these 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 opponents from Universe 6. And I like that. I mean, you know, Goku... He, he, he could have punched the bear dude until infinity and it didn't do shit. <laughs> so all he had to do was just, you know, he, he dragged him out of the ring and threw him. But that was a different approach. Right. So that was that was cool. Um, and then there's this stuff here with 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 Frost, um, which there was nothing creative necessarily about the way Vegeta defeated him. 
But everything that he did in terms of using a poison needle was something that we hadn't seen before either. And now, once again, this is another example of him having to think outside of the box in order to defeat the opponent. So it is kind of a pain in a way, but it's, I also kind of appreciate it because they're putting a lot more creativity in these fights than I think they've done in the past in a lot of ways. So that's pretty much my thoughts on that. So, Ricky, as always, thank you very much for sending me an email. And I have another one here. This was from Jordan. Uh, Jordan, we have not spoken before to my knowledge. Welcome to Rock the Dragon Podcast. Glad to have you. Says here, hey, Tim Bridgewater. I just wanted to put my thoughts out there about Dragon Ball Super. Sorry, this is a long one. One, Frost Weapon. So my take on this moment is that the writers wanted to imply that this wasn't allowed because he could win literally any match and he proved that with Goku and definitely Piccolo. But again, this was the writers just assuming and making a plot hole. But at the end of the day, it was a part of their body, but that lava of the Metal Man wasn't because he drunk a literal cup before the fight. Okay, I'll just address that real quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, I mean, I've honestly, we've talked to the death about the frost thing so far so <laughs> jordan I don't, I don't know how new you are to the podcast but um just go back and check out the past couple episodes if you really want to hear me break all that down but the short version is is that i agree uh it's not clear even though they're certainly implying it they never actually say it for sure right so it does kind of make a weird plot hole uh and the thing about the metal guy drinking the lava I still don't even know what the point of that was <laughs> because they also said that that was a part of his natural uh, composition. So I, I, I don't know that, but interesting, interesting uh, perspective there. Okay. Number two, the tournament of the dragon balls, to be honest, I'd like it, but this could have been a way better saga. If you would say, think about this plot since universe seven was taking other universes, super dragon balls, both universes go to war on a disposable planet. I think this would make Goten and Kid Trunks mature and unleash their potential and put Gohan and Goku back on their shit. When I say Goku back on his shit, I mean any legendary plot of DBZ. This would have probably made a new transformation for Goku, parentheses, but I don't care because Limit Breaker just came out. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad idea. I mean, I, th I think there's many different possibilities here of, 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 of things that could have made this um, saga or whatever you want to call it better with higher stakes um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with what they're doing so far I mean I the the reasoning is once again not the greatest I mean you know so what if Earth gets transferred to Universe 6 how's that going to affect anything right <laughs> I mean like I said before Champa can't be much worse than Beerus but he, I guess he kind of is and we learn a little bit more about that actually on this episode um so yeah you're you're just simply giving us another possible scenario for a story that could probably be a little bit more serious in terms of them actually going to war over the super dragon balls sure why not it definitely would have given everyone else a reason to step their games up so i agree with that as for limit breaker i don't know what that is and i'm not going to google it because it could be a spoiler <laughs> okay uh I, I honestly don't know what that is but just in the event that it's a spoiler, I'm just going to say, okay. <laughs> okay, question number three. Do you think Goku getting stronger slash new transformations or even accomplishments keeps Vegeta in control of not turning against Goku? 
reason asked no matter what vegeta no no matter what vegeta is only here to keep goku alive so he can kill him slash show he's the strongest okay so do i think that goku getting stronger and having new transformations keeps vegeta under control of not turning against him um now do you mean that in terms of he's not turning against him because Goku's stronger than him because of those transformations or because of he's keeping him um, on his toes because if you're saying that is it keeping Vegeta on his toes the fact that Goku is reaching all these new levels of power then yes I agree with that uh, I, de- I don't I think you said here that He's only here to keep Goku alive so he can kill him or show him the strongest. I don't think he wants to kill Goku anymore. I mean, I don't I definitely don't think that is still a thing. I mean, <laughs> I I mean, they never said it for sure, but I'm pretty sure Vegeta's gotten over that. I mean, he I I, I he has a respect for Goku, a, a major respect. And it was something that he mentioned back in the Boo saga. Uh, and I think if he wanted to kill Goku, he's had plenty of chances to do it. I mean there's been plenty of times where Goku has been out of commission or seriously injured right in front of Vegeta to where if he wanted to, he could have just blown him away. I mean, once again, my, especially when he was Majin Vegeta, you know, he knocked him out. Remember that? He, he, he knocked Goku out and then he went and fought Majin Buu. He could have killed Goku right then and there if he felt like it because he was knocked out and unconscious. So, I mean, he, I don't think he wants to kill him for sure. Uh, I think there is a part of Vegeta, a very big part, that knows that he needs Goku to be around because he keeps him on his toes. He gives him and go and Vegeta has said this himself. He keeps him. He gives him a reason to keep training. He gives him a reason to keep fighting because he's forever chasing Goku. And it makes him better. It makes him a better fighter. So um, as far as him turning against Goku, I don't. Now, that's not a concern of mine. I don't I don't think that that is even really an option anymore. If you know, unless he's turned evil or something by some chance, I just don't even really see that happening. OK, Jordan, thank you so much for the email. I've got one more small message here on Facebook uh, from Brent. Uh, and this is actually pertaining to episode 36. Um, it says here. The one thing that episode was missing was a little Bruce Falconer Vegeta theme music. Probably one of the more satisfying episodes so far, if you ask me. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this, you've seen episode 36. Uh, I've already mentioned this. It was a very good episode. Uh, There was some pretty epic shit that happened in this episode. And I agree with Brent 2000%. As a matter of fact, I had the exact same thought. When I watched the episode, I was sitting there and I'm saying, man, if only some Bruce Falconer music would be would kick in right now, this would be that much more epic. OK, once again, I know Bruce Falconer's music is pretty divisive among fans. OK, I trust me, I get that. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people love it. If you listen to episode zero of the podcast, you know that I love it because that's just the version of the show that I grew up watching. I can't even think about Dragon Ball Z without that music. That's not to put down any other dub or any other version. It's certainly not meant to take anything away from the Japanese version. 
It's just that's my idealized version of Dragon Ball Z. I love that music. I grew up on that music. You know, I, I can listen to just the music today and remember specific moments from the show. And I, and I can get just as emotional now listening to that as I used to when I was watching. Like, even if I'm not watching it, I can hear the music and get emotional again over it. You know, I didn't, I didn't even realize how powerful that music was to me, I think, until I got older. When I started just listening to it by itself. And I realized I was being taken back to those moments. Uh, but once again, go back and listen to episode zero of the podcast if you haven't heard it. You know, if you want to hear more about that. But I'm in 100% agreement there with Brent. So this is what I did. <laughs> this is what I did. And if this doesn't get you over to Facebook.com slash Rock the Dragon podcast to like that page, then I don't know what will. I did a fan edit of some of the fight between Vegeta and shit. The robot, you know, the robot from this episode. I'm sorry. I just don't remember his name. (laughs) Okay. But I did a fan edit of that scene with Bruce Falconer's music. Go to facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast right now to see that video. Okay. So if you're feeling nostalgic, like Brent and I, you'll get a kick out of that video. Okay. So go there, pause the podcast, go check it out. Come back, finish listening. If you enjoy yourself, you enjoy it, please share it. Uh, also leave comments on it. Okay. With that being said, okay, I think it is time for us to switch on over to the episode talk for this week. So, of course, this episode of Rock the Dragon Podcast, episode 36, is going to cover episode 36 of Dragon Ball Super, titled An Unexpectedly Uphill Battle, Vegeta's Great Blast of Fury, or Great Balls of Fire, whichever one you want to, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so, um, yeah. We left off with the previous episode. Of course, Vegeta is sort of uh, literally and figuratively kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here. You know, he's, excuse me, he's sort of in a position here to where he can't, he's trying to figure out what his next move is going to be. Because remember now there's this cube above the ring. Uh, It is becoming increasingly hot in this cube now. Um, he, He said something really cool, which I really, really liked here. Uh, is that he mentions that it's getting hotter in this place, but he's saying, you know, but I've trained, I've trained for extremes like this. Uh, So I was just really, it was really cool that he acknowledged that, you know, because once again, someone like me who analyzes these episodes, I would be like, well, it's just getting hot in there. Isn't this the same guy that was like training in a freaking spaceship with however many times freaking gravity and like, you know what I mean? And like, fighting fire and all kinds of shit inside of the hyperbolic time chamber. So he should be able to handle this, but they do a pretty good job of showing that it's more than just that. It, you know, if only it's just by him mentioning it himself. Um, so I thought that was cool. And I think they're doing a pretty good job of putting him in a position here to where once again, he has to kind of figure out uh, what he wants to do about it. Meanwhile, Champa's on the sideline giggling about it <laughs> and then we kind of go over to Goku and Piccolo and Whis and Beerus and they're kind of giving their commentary on the side uh, just kind of exposition-y but it, it, it's, it's good it's just kind of clarifying exactly what's going on here they're essentially telling Vegeta that he needs to get to the bottom of this thing because 
you know, as science has taught us, heat rises. So uh, it'd be easier to breathe and it's very cool, cooler at the bottom. Okay, that's just, that's actually real life science, <laughs> which is cool that they even, that they're sort of applying some of those rules to this. You know, in, in a world where everything's so outlandish and over the top and unbelievable, it's always cool for them to use something that's just kind of, you know, believable and grounded. <laughs> um, and so Beerus is saying, hey, you know what? I knew it. You you did this entire thing talking about Champa to basically sabotage my fighter so he'll suffocate in there. And Champa's saying, no, wait a second. No, he didn't. There's these little ventilation sections at the bottom of the cube so air can get in and out but he's saying that well but you know if my fighter just happens to be his abilities happen to be outweighing what's there then too bad uh and goku's kind of trying to give vegeta advice and he's not taking it he's not taking it which he, he's vegeta i have to say this uh this was probably the most um vegeta-like version of this character i've seen the entire series of Dragon Ball Super so far. I mean, this is the most Vegeta has felt like Dragon Ball Z Vegeta the whole time, in my opinion, which is great, <laughs> which is great. So he's just saying, hey, you know what? I don't have to get grounded. I don't want to. Don't tell me how to fight. Uh, I just have to figure out what to do before I run out of air. That's all. I have to destroy him as fast as I can. Meanwhile, um, Magetta, that's his name, right? Magetta, something like that. Uh, Magetta's pretty much going on the offensive here. I mean, you know, he, Vegeta doesn't have much time to figure things out. And I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't sure what to think about this robot metal man character because we just don't, that just seems kind of lame for Dragon Ball, <laughs> right? I mean, this isn't the Red Ribbon Army. Like, there's no robots. I mean, we've gotten androids, but not robots, right? But I, I think the, um, I think what's cool about this is that he's using a range of abilities and he's using them in a very creative way, right? And um, he's he's sort of out, honestly, he's just outsmarting Vegeta. I mean, he's taking away all of his options. <laughs> of course, he had a little help by Champa by kind of sabotaging the ring, but still, he knows how to use his abilities in this situation. So essentially, he's just kind of shooting out his lava at him. And at some point he releases this gas <laughs> from his body and then he ignites it, which was kind of cool. But essentially, that ends up being kind of a distraction because it almost knocks Vegeta into the cube. Uh, but it doesn't work. So, yeah, essentially, uh, Magetta just kind of uh, farted and then lit it on fire. So, I mean, hey, why not? <laughs> All it does is... is, is serve to kind of uh, infuriate Vegeta even more because Vegeta's like, he, you know... He's a, he's humiliating me. So they're building up to Vegeta having a big release himself. <laughs> Maybe not intestinal gas, but, you know, just as explosive. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of go back and forth. And we get once again, we get some commentary from Piccolo and Goku just kind of saying on the outside of the ring what's going on and their opinions and uh, about what's going on here and et cetera. And Vegeta is is more is pretty much sick of all the noise. He's sick of everybody yelling at him, telling him what he should and shouldn't be doing. This is Vegeta. He doesn't need anyone's help. He doesn't want anyone's advice. And that's what I love about this episode is that it 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 it, it, it reminds us of how much of a badass Vegeta is. 
so badass in fact yes ladies and gentlemen we get a gallic gun in this episode i don't remember the last time we got a gallic gun uh i really don't i don't think i'm not even going to say because i'm probably going to misspeak on it but i know it's been a while if we think back to dragon ball z uh i don't remember that being a technique that he used many times obviously the most famous one was when he fought Goku the very first time way back in the Saiyan Saga. Uh, but how awesome is that, right? So he launches it at Magetta, um, but Magetta has a has a has a plan for this. I mean, he once again he's being super creative with his attacks. He shoots out lava. Uh, essentially, I'm assuming that he cools the lava because I mean, I, once again, if you know anything about science, once lava cools into magma and it becomes earth uh and that's exactly what happens here so he forms this club from his own lava and using the lava that he shot at vegeta as a distraction he flies upward hits vegeta with the club knocks him down and at this point we're led to believe that vegeta has actually gotten a ring out because he's hit the ground he's he's standing on the ground uh of course we find out that he's not actually out but um when watching the commercial version of this you know i was actually i thought he was out you know and i was like oh wow they just gonna let vegeta just go out like that and i'm thinking okay well i guess we'll see what happens now and everyone's just pretty much sitting there in awe and just you know kind of stunned by everything but we get our um our announcer he kind of he kind of flies over there and, and and gives it a closer look and kind of uses his little ability that he has and he gets a close up and he puts it up on the screen and he says that contestant Vegeta is uh safe he's safe turns out that he landed on that is one foot on a piece of the actual ring uh and that technically by definition by according to the rules he's safe <laughs> he did not touch the ground nor did he touch the outside wall of this arena so he's still in there. Um, so it's a little bit of a weird sort of technicality, but that is very useful in this episode because, and I was so glad when they made a point to mention this, Weiss himself actually says, well, how do you think Vegeta's gonna feel about that? Because I think Piccolo mentioned something about it being a technicality and he's saying, well, how do you think Vegeta's gonna feel about that? And that was, this is some of the best writing in the whole episode because Vegeta never wants to win because of something like that, which obviously he didn't win because of that, but he doesn't want any help, period. <laughs> so he's feeling like, okay, I, I'm still in here, but it's because of a stupid sort of rule like that. He's starting to feel less and less, you know, like a warrior and his pride is being hurt and it pisses him off. It pisses him off. And this is where the beauty of the episode really starts to kick in at, you know? So then he asked the ref, you know, he's like he's getting he's getting increasingly upset about the restrictions. He said the restrictions, the restrictions can go to hell. And he's double checking with the ref to say, I can't touch the outside wall. Right. And he's like, yeah, it's like good. <laughs> so he powers up. I mean, you know, Magetta launches this lava blast at him. He, he kind of creates this big aura um, that not only protects him from the lava, but it also kind of pushes Magetta backward. But it expands out so far and is so powerful that it shatters the entire inner cube. Okay. 
which uh, I I almost feel like this isn't a complaint, but I almost feel like he should be um, disqualified for that. I mean, it, <laughs> it just seems like if you intentionally destroy something that was put there as a part of the rules, you should be eliminated for that. But also, I mean, at the same time, they're also revealing here that Champa's reasoning for putting it there in the first place wasn't exactly fair. So I guess, you know, if you look at it like that, it's kind of like, well, Champa cheated first. So it's okay if Vegeta destroys it now. And they just kind of explain it by saying like, you know, Champa's essentially just kind of yelling at Vados about it. And he's saying, you know, I thought you were supposed to make this thing stronger. And then I love, I love, I love the way Vados talks back to Champa. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, Whis gets a little bit of an attitude with Beerus every now and then, but it's not, I feel like Vados is on a completely different level. And I just, I fucking love her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he blows up the entire, you know, cube and sends these shards of glass hurtling toward everyone including his wife and child so but that's Vegeta right he's reckless <laughs> he's very reckless with his power and sometimes he doesn't care who's around luckily Whis is there to put a force field around him to stop them from getting hit by it uh, but yeah so he blows it up and he's saying you know now now he's no longer restricted and uh, it wasn't exactly fair to be there to begin with but at this point Vegeta is pretty much uh, fed up <laughs> he's pretty much had it all I mean he's already unleashed the Gallic gun um, and here we go as soon as he sticks those arms out at the same time we know it's coming we know it's coming ladies and gentlemen we get a final flash this episode also and I cannot tell you <laughs> how excited I was to see that um, I mean, hell, they could have went on and put a big bang attack in here, too, and just kind of covered all the bases. But this is cool. Final flash, right? We all remember the final flash, mostly from that battle with Cell. OK, and how he charged that thing up for like half the episode in one of the most epic moments in all of Dragon Ball Z, in my opinion, uh, and unleashed that thing. Now, this is where me and Brent were on the same page. This is where. Bruce Falconer's music would have really shined, right? You know, you know the music, okay? The Super Saiyan theme, everything else. So if you want to see this scene with that music, go to facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast. I did it for you guys. I edited a version of it with the music. And I'm not going to lie. It gave me chills just watching it myself as I was making it. <laughs> so go check that out. But he charges up the final flash, okay? Unleashes this thing at Magetta, full force. Uh, Magetta tries to fight it with his lava. It's not strong enough. Uh, he manages to sort of uh, disorient Magetta for a second, then uses an opportunity to shoot in there, and he gives him a good, strong punch where he's kind of pushing him back. He's right along the edge. The attention is building. The suspense is building. But he can't seem to get him out. But something weird happens where Vegeta calls him a, a bucket of bolts or something. I forget his exact terminology. But then we just see the expression on Mayetta's face change. I think the colors of his eyes just kind of shift. And 
the, he pretty much blows up that entire side of the ring, knocks Magetta out. Magetta's on the ground, out cold, ring out. Contested Vegeta's the winner. Okay, epic fight. I mean, it wasn't the most. You know, it's not obviously it's not big. You know, a lot of hand to hand, but. I appreciate that they're trying to find different ways of, of kind of doing this kind of stuff. And I really like the way all of this played out. Okay. So, of course, of course, Chomp was pissed. Uh, and Vegeta just kind of goes and takes a break. You know, he goes to get a drink of water. And Whis <laughs> mentions that there was a much easier way that he could have defeated Megetta the entire time. And that was that had he just said something to hurt his feelings, which ultimately Vegeta did. Uh... <coughs> He could have won the fight a lot sooner. So apparently the metal men, even though they have this indestructible skin, are very sensitive when it comes to being insulted. <laughs> so had he just known that sooner, he could have won a lot easier. But the episode does something else great, which I thought was super cool, is that Goku says, but Vegeta, you wouldn't have wanted that. You wouldn't have wanted to win like that. That's why you didn't power up from the beginning, because you wanted to fight. And I feel like that is some of the better writing, right? Because, I mean, once again, and this is something that I, this is something I've talked about on previous episodes, is, is why haven't they just powered up the Super Saiyan God yet, or Blue? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like these fights would have gone a lot faster had they just done that. But there's also the, this part of these Saiyans that loves to fight so much that they want to make it more difficult for themselves to win just so they can fight and, 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 and for a challenge. So if you look at it that way, it actually makes sense. And it's actually kind of, it's actually pretty consistent with the history of Dragon Ball. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It makes sense. Um, so yeah, Vegeta's the winner. Up next, we've got the little Saiyan from uh, Universe 6. Uh, and that's pretty much what episode ends. So I'll say this, uh, I enjoyed this episode. This episode was probably the most Dragon Ball Z-esque episode that I've seen. I don't want to say in the entire series of Dragon Ball Super because I feel like I could be forgetting something. But certainly within the last 15 episodes. I mean, this was a good episode. It's a really good episode. It looked good. The animation was good. The characters were drawn well. They looked the way they were supposed to look. We got to see things that we were familiar with and that we missed techniques, uh, such as the Gatling gun and the, uh, not the Gatling gun, sorry, the Gallic gun <laughs> and the final flash. So we got that. We got, uh, we got, you know, an interesting fight. We got a creative fight. We got um, just a lot of nostalgia in this episode. We got a classic Vegeta, you know, we got interesting plot developments. We got plot twists in a way. We got, I mean, it's kind of everything you could have wanted in an episode. And I laughed several times throughout the episode. Specifically, when it was very funny to me, <laughs> is when Vegeta's powering up and Champa is saying, you know, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're just going to stand there and scream like an idiot, but it's not going to make a difference. And then Vado says something like, the only idiot here is you. <laughs> Champa or, or Lord Champa, something like that. And Champa says, say what? And they just cut right there. I mean, it was funny. It was funny. This episode had everything, honestly. It had great action. It had good animation. Uh, the voice acting was incredible. Uh, it was it was it was humorous. It was creative. What more could you want? Right. 
Definitely one of the top five episodes of Dragon Ball Super so far, in my opinion. Um, once again, had we had a little bit of Bruce Falconer music, <laughs> probably would have given it, you know, a, a, a five out of five. But that's okay. Uh, if you want to see a version of this with that music, you can head on to Facebook.com slash Rock Dragon Podcast right now and check it out. So in that way, I still got to see it. Okay. Well, while you're there, make sure you like the page. As soon as we get to 100 likes, I'm going to go ahead and do a giveaway. It's going to be something really, really cool. Uh, as you guys can see here, I tend to get a little creative every now and then. It's Halloween month, uh, so expect more. Um, please leave me a review on iTunes if you haven't done so already. I'd appreciate that. And once again, for what are you saying, our email segment, send me an email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. With that being said, guys, I think that's all for this week. So until next time for Rock the Dragon Podcast, uh, I'll see you guys next time.